The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. If you remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to make a little change after throwing Pastor Holst under the bus a couple of weeks back and blaming him for the slow progress. I'm going to talk, try your patience this evening. Um, very to what it says in the bulletin and the, the outline. We're going to focus only on verse 18 this evening and then get to 19 and 20 next time. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and read just to give us the context, 13 to verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 6. Let's worship the Lord by paying careful attention to this, the public reading of his word. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. That's Father reading God's word. Let's pray and seek his help. Father, as we again this evening turn to your word, we ask that your spirit would come and help us, guide us, O Lord, enlighten our minds that we might understand and open up our hearts that we might receive your truth and that we might believe and obey all that is before us. Teach us your ways, O God, that we might walk in them by your grace to us in Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, dear Christian, are you wearing your armor? We spent three three weeks thinking about the different components of the Christian armor. Perhaps by now we ought to be able to name all of them. It's a good exercise as you're driving, maybe families driving in the car to see if you can recite them. Children, can you, can you recite the different parts of the armor? If you know them, yell them out. What's the first one we saw? Anyone? The belt of truth. What's the second one? Breastplate of righteousness. The third one, gospel gospel shoes for your feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What's the fourth one? The shield of faith, right? We take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish, put out all the flaming darts of the evil one. What's the fifth one? Helmet of salvation. Okay, what's the last one? Come on. That's the the sword of the spirit. We're quiet this evening. Okay, all right. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's our armor. Why, why do we need that armor? Recall that we are we are caught up in this great conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. There's a great 
war taking place. It's a war which God will win. In fact, we know he will win because he has already won in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our great warrior king messiah came and he put on his powerful armor and he has crushed the evil one crushed satan and it's only a matter of time before the victory is complete and satan is cast forever into the lake of fire until then the battle continues and we are called to fight We've learned how in union with him, we are strong. We are in Christ. His armor is our armor, but we are called to put that armor on. Oh, how we need that armor. We need him. This is a call to draw near in trust of the Lord and to find strength from him. Strength to do the very thing which we just sung, we are called to do. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus in this battle. How do we do that? Our text this evening, is we've already considered this, but it reminds us of such an important, important way in which we stand up, stand up for Jesus. How do we stand up? We stand up by dropping down onto our knees, bowing down, falling on our faces, perhaps not literally. We'll say a little bit about prayer posture this evening. But how do we stand up and fight? By prayer. As we come to verse 18, Paul is not, you know, kind of changing the subject when he mentions prayer. Prayer is such an important means by which we strap on our armors. We just sung, put on that gospel armor, each piece put on with Prayer. We learned this evening that, that all of the Word of God is a good rule of, for prayer. We should be praying through that gospel armor. But we, we put each piece on with prayer, and we stand up and we fight the good fight of the faith. That, that, that term, prayer warrior, you ever heard that? Might strike you as a little bit of a buzzword in Christian circles, but I think it's a good buzzword. God calls us to be prayer warriors. The Lord calls us to wage warfare through prayer. That's our uh, simple sermon uh, message summary this evening. The Lord calls us to wage war through prayer. And as we think about that call as it comes to us, just four points. So we're just going to delete that last point in the outline. There was so much we could say just from those first four points. Four points about prayer, not exactly in the order of the text, but here they are. We are to pray in the Spirit and at all times with all kinds of prayers, and lastly, for all the saints. So in the prayer, at all times, with all kinds of prayers, and for all the saints. We're going to begin with then our first point, then with that phrase, uh, in the Spirit. We are to pray in the Spirit. And I, I think this is a reference to the Holy Spirit as opposed to praying, you know, in our own spirit. It's not that Paul is saying, don't just pray with your body, with your lips, but also pray with your heart and your mind. That's certainly true. We're called to do that. But I do think this is a reference to the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Google that one, you know, how do I pray in the Spirit? Or what, is, what does that mean, prayer in the, pray in the Holy Spirit? You'll get some interesting answers to that. If you have Pentecostal brothers and sisters, they might say, well, this, this is referring to praying in tongues, 
Uh, clearly, that's not what Paul has in mind here. I think that's ruled out by the fact that he makes it clear that all praying is is to be prayer in the Spirit. And even in that apostolic age when tongues were present, not all believers spoke in or prayed in tongues. And even for those who did that have that gift, certainly not all of their prayers were were to be in tongues. So now this was not a command only for tongue speakers in the apostolic age. The command to pray in the Spirit was and is today for all believers. What does it mean to pray in the, in, in the Spirit? Does it mean to pray in the power of the Spirit? Does it mean to pray guided by the Spirit? Does it mean pray according to the will of the Spirit? I think certainly it does mean all of those things of ourselves. We, we are weak and we are lost and we are ignorant. We need the help of the Spirit empowering us, guiding us, informing our minds how to pray. And it's good for us this evening to think about to be reminded of the person, the gift of the Holy Spirit as we think about prayer. We're completely dependent upon God. Oh, how we need His Spirit. That's one of the reasons we're called to pray, because we're so weak and needy in such need of God's help. But we need His Spirit. But dear Christian, God has given you the Spirit. It is the Spirit who has given you faith. If you're a believer this evening, then then you have the Spirit. You have been born of the Spirit. Speaking of uh, praying in the Spirit, we can say that every true Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are in the Spirit. That's what Paul wrote, as we'll see later in our preaching through Romans, comes to chapter 8, verse 9, and it reminds the believers, you, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed, or if in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's that's why for the Christian, not just praying, but every part of life in Christ, every part of the Christian life is to be lived in the Spirit or by the Spirit. We are to walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5, verse 16. We are to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. There's just four verses later from the verse I just mentioned, Romans 8, 13. We are to confess uh, Jesus as Lord in the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. We worship by the Spirit, Philippians chapter 3, and on and on. And certainly we are to, we're called to pray in the Spirit. Jude, in his epistle, says something similar when he writes, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's Jude 1, 20 and 21. To be to be in Christ, we talk about union with Christ. To be in Christ is to be in the Spirit. Indeed, it is the Spirit who has united us to Christ. The Spirit, as our catechism rightly teaches us, the Spirit has applied to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling, Shorter Catechism 30. And so all who have been born of the Spirit and are therefore in Christ are in 
the Spirit. We are in the Spirit. We are in the Spirit as individual Christians, believers, and it's also true of us as as the church, the body of Christ corporately. Remember what we saw back in chapter chapter 2 and verse 22, a wonderful verse in that Paul wonderfully there connects these two truths, these realities of being in Christ and being in the Spirit. When he wrote, in him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit or in the Spirit. Very same Greek phrase there, en pneumati, in the Spirit. And just think about that. Think that we, the church, the body of Christ, we are that dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's why prayer is so so important, so appropriate, why prayer is an absolute must. I think a good illustration is to think back uh, not too long ago, we saw it in Matthew's Gospel. Remember that great event in the life of our Lord where he went and he cleansed the temple rightfully entered into his house. Recall that he went and he, he saw the buying and the selling, the money changing. And what did he do? Well, I think we could say filled with the Spirit. He strapped on his, his armor, literally made a, a whip out of cords. And he took that whip and he drove out the money changers and their animals, turning over the tables, dumping the coins. But what did he say? Speaking of prayer, you remember what he said? He said, Matthew 21, 13, citing Isaiah 56, verse 7, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Obviously, we know we don't make our Lord's actions. They're a model for us in every way. Obviously, there was some unique prerogative which belonged to him as the son of God. But what a powerful picture of life in Christ, zeal for God's glory, total devotion to God, and is that to which we have been called as those who belong to Christ. But such an important way in which we live that life is in devotion to prayer, prayer in the Spirit, prayer in Christ, in the Spirit, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer, continual prayer. That brings us to our second point this evening. We are called to pray at all times. Verse 18, it says, praying at all times in the Spirit. So I was thinking about this this past week and was reminded once again of just how much I am not like God. <laughs> we, we, uh, in, in our house and in, in our bedroom, we have a nook in the corner of the room and there's my desk and that's where I work. And so that's my, my home office. And often when I'm there uh, working at my desk, maybe work typing, working on a sermon or whatever, my dear wife, who will remain unnamed this evening, walks in and, and just, just starts talking and, you know, and I'm sort of concentrating, maybe finishing a thought, trying to half listen while also fo- focusing on what I was writing. And after a few sentences, I'll stop and smile on my face, turn around and say, you know, this is a perfect time to have a conversation. And I, I ran this illustration by her, by the way, I, she's, She's fine with me. We laugh about this. And the, the truth is, if I get uh, annoyed about that, I'm a complete hypocrite because I often do the very same thing, walk right up to her and just start talking. And we probably ought to, uh, you know, do better at not interrupting each other. We teach our children, you know, don't, don't interrupt, come up and 
Nooks, excuse me, please. But isn't it wonderful to think that God never, never says to us, excuse me, yeah, you, you interrupted me, you know, and I was in deep thought there. I'm kind of busy here. Can't you see I'm, I'm running the universe here? God never says this is not a good time. Isn't it marvelous to think about, sort of piggyback on the Sunday school lesson as we were thinking about God being infinite, to think that the, the one who sustains the universe at any moment, we can cry out to him. There's never, never a bad time. In fact, he commands us. Not only does he invite us, he commands us at all times to be praying to him. And he listens to us. Maybe, you know, maybe for you, the big problem isn't learning not to interrupt, but learning to be a better listener. Isn't it wonderful to think that, that if we cry out to God, his ear is ever attentive to our cry. He listens to every word, dear Christian, as you pray to him. And then he calls you, he commands you to make your entire life an environment of prayer. We're commanded, pray without ceasing, for Thessalonians 5.17, or continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. We saw earlier in this epistle that, that, that Paul himself practiced what he preaches, preached in this regard because he wrote in chapter 1, verse 16, that I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Again, this is, this is part of living life in the Spirit. Back in 518, we were commanded, be filled with the Spirit. I think we should see that, that phrase, in the Spirit, Spirit, very much, again, very much uh, the same way we see that phrase in Christ in this way. On the one hand, every one of us as, as believers, we are in Christ. We are in Christ. And yet we're called to put on Christ, clothe yourselves in Christ. That's what we've learned with respect to this armor. Put on the armor, which is Christ. Well, in the same way, yes, we say you are. Every, every believer is 100% in the Spirit. And yet we're called to, commanded to be filled with the Spirit. We saw in 519 that one way we do that is by singing, addressing one, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. But another way is by praying. Dear Christian, you want to be filled with the Spirit as you're commanded to be filled with the Spirit? Pray. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is a life filled with prayer. Speaking of, 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 of a temple dwelling, what, what, a, what a blessing so to enjoy unending communion with God, to enjoy communion with God, even in a way greater than those servants, uh, servants of the Lord who dwelt in the temple. You know, we think about Aaron and his sons, the high priests, ever in the temple. We enjoy communion with God in a greater way than even they did as his sons and daughters of the new covenant. One, one commentator, Dr. Baugh, writes, just as the old covenant temple was a house of prayer for God's people, so now the new covenant people, as a new priesthood and temple filled with the presence of God through the Spirit, must be a house of prayer. And he writes this, listen to this. 
all genuine believers dwell in the Holy Spirit as the atmosphere of the inaugurated new creation. Just think on that. The inaugurated new creation. The temple, of course, was a, was a type of Christ. In Christ, we are, we are bound for that new creation. We're bound for that, that heavenly temple, which God has prepared for his people, a place where we will dwell in his heavenly glory, enjoying unending communion, fellowship with him forever and ever and ever. 100% in the spirit for all eternity. And in one sense, that, that is future in terms of all of, of its fullness. And yet that, that, that new creation we've learned, that's already begun in Christ, in his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, his giving of the Spirit, and has begun in us who are in Christ, in the Spirit. It's begun in this, the, the, the church, the body of Christ, we lay hold of that, that life, eternal life, as we give ourselves to prayer, prayer at all times, and prayer of all kinds. That's our third point. The third thing we see about prayer this evening, we are to, to pray with all kinds of prayers. Verse 18 continues, with all prayer and supplication to that, and keep alert with all perseverance. Notice, notice uh, by the way, the, the re- repetition of that word all, four times in this verse. We're to pray at all times with all prayer and supplication to that and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The second and third of those four alls are taken up in, in, the, in our point here, a third point. But just think about those words, all perseverance. What, what, what kind of prayers ought we to be praying? Persevering prayer. Persevering, and prayer is such an important part of our persevering. We believe in the perseverance of the saints. Those who are in Christ are eternally secure, not in the sense that we sit back and do nothing, but no, we, the Spirit moves us to persevere. Well, that life of perseverance is not a life of perseverance if it's not a life filled with, with prayer. Prayer is part of the means that God preserves His people and, and causes us to persevere. Persevering prayer watchful prayer. This this goes with, with praying at all times. How long will we continue in a, in a life of prayer? We'll continue in a life of prayer so long as the battle continues. Tell the battle's over. Of course, then in, in glory, I suppose we'll enter into another form of prayer in the presence of Christ forever and ever. But for now, it is a watchful prayer. We, we pray as those who understand that we are at war. We understand that the enemy is active. He is seeking whom to devour. He's looking for his next attack. We encounter those attacks by praying. Friends, I want you to hear this this evening. If you, if you think that you have no need to be praying, or if you think sometimes I'm not sure what to pray about, if you think that, if you think you have nothing to pray for, no need to pray, you are making yourself vulnerable to the attack of the evil one. You need to pray. You need to pray because Satan is active and Christ is giving you prayer as a means of withstanding the attacks 
of the evil one. Here again, we, we stand up, stand up for Jesus by falling down to our knees. By the way, do we, we literally need to get down on our knees? Is, is posture in prayer something important? I would say this, speaking of, of all kinds of prayers, it is true, isn't it, that we are to be praying without ceasing. And that means no matter what you're doing, it's always a good time to pray, right? Driving in your car, up on a ladder, painting the side of the house, jogging at work, working at the computer, whatever you're doing, all those are good times to be praying, offer up spontaneous prayers. Sometimes folks refer to those as arrow prayers, right? But there should also be those times set aside specifically for doing nothing but praying, or maybe combining that with other spiritual exercises, Bible reading, meditation, uh, but but time set aside set aside to pray. You know, we think about uh, the great godly righteous man, the prophet Daniel. I have no doubt that he was praying at all times, and yet we read about those specific daily praying three times. We read about in Daniel chapter six, verse ten, and it says he got down on his knees. That was his practice. That was his practice, and he persevered in that practice even when it became criminal activity for him to do so. He's risking his life, but he he bowed his knees. I presume it was the same of the uh, the same was true of the apostle Paul because that's what he wrote in chapter three, verse fourteen. For this reason, I bow my knees. I know no reason why we wouldn't take that literally. I'm not saying that you, you, know, you have to get in a certain position when you pray. The Bible speaks of all kinds of postures in prayer, bowing in prayer, kneeling on one's face before God, or standing, or sitting, or even walking. The most important thing, of course, is not the, uh, not the position of the body, but the, the, the position, the posture of the heart. But if you do struggle, I would say this, if you do struggle to take time to set aside time, specifically devote yourself to prayer, you struggle to focus when you are uh, giving yourself over to prayer, perhaps physical posture will help. Perhaps physical posture will help, will help in terms of the posture of your heart and your mind. Prayerfully make time to go. And get down on your knees, put your head on the floor, maybe fall prostrate on your face, whatever, and pray. Pray all kinds of prayers. What do I pray for, you ask? And you know, in, in one sense, the answer Paul gives here is everything. Pray for absolutely everything, all prayer and supplication, everything good, obviously, everything that's according to the will of God. Sometimes uh, in a specific trial, a very difficult situation, we may find ourselves not knowing what exactly to pray for. I think we should be wonderfully encouraged by the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Paul says, we, I presume, even the great apostle at times wasn't sure what to pray for. But he writes, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Maybe at times we don't know what to pray and all we can do is groan, groan. Lord, have mercy. Lord, help. Lord, your will be done. The Spirit 
intercedes in those times, if our faith is in Christ, if we're giving ourselves to prayer, the Spirit comes, the Spirit intercedes, the Spirit even takes our weak, our imperfect prayers and perfects them. Our prayers are caught up in the perfect intercessory prayers of Christ. So never allow your weakness, never allow your ignorance to keep you from praying. Of course, on the other hand, we we do know how to pray. We saw it in our affirmation of faith this evening, didn't we? The Lord has has given us, given us all of his word, we're told. Even the the parts of the the, the different parts of our spiritual armor can be prayer points for us. But we we also were reminded we're given that, that special rule, that prayer that the Lord gave to his disciples to direct us how to pray. Pray that prayer, we were told. Or for that matter, make use of our shorter catechism's wonderful exposition of the different uh, petitions of that prayer. And I'd remind you, here at Shiloh, we have wonderful tools given to us. We have prayer sheets. You've never been making use of those. There they are, right back there on the wall in the plastic bin. Take those prayer sheets home with you. They provide wonderful instruction on what kinds of things we ought to be praying for. They tell us much about what to pray for, and they tell us much about for whom we ought to be praying. And that brings us to our last, our final point this evening, that we are called to to pray for all the saints, making supplication for all the saints. Brothers and sisters, are you praying faithfully, regularly, regularly praying for your brother's and sisters. There's a very good reason to take home one of those prayer sheets. It's filled with 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 uh, prayer requests for your brothers and sisters here at Shiloh. You have you have no need need no reason ever to say I'm not sure what to pray for, or I don't know for whom to be praying. Make use of that prayer sheet. You can also uh, make a plug, and we we heard it in Sunday school today, and it must be the Lord wants us to think about that daily update. That's I mean weekly update that we receive every Monday, where we're given, we're reminded of the things that are going on in this church, and we ought to be praying for those things, praying that the Lord would bless those ministries, those fellowship gatherings that take place. Read that weekly update. Pray through that weekly update. Use these things as a means of praying in obedience to the command before us this evening, praying at all times in the Spirit, praying with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Think again about those words, keep alert, that spiritual warfare language. Think think about the reality of the battle, but not only for your own sake, but for the sake of your brothers and sisters. You know, when you use that, that prayer sheet and you pray for a specific, uh, someone suffering from an illness or some other trial, maybe needing, needing employment and whatnot, pray not only about the specific need, but keep in mind that the, the evil one would love to take that trial and use it in the life of that person to destroy his or her faith. Your brothers, your sisters, they need you to pray for them. The evil one would love to do, to use the trial to do harm, but God is pleased to do the opposite. 
through our prayers. God is, is pleased to use that trial in the life of the Christian to strengthen that faith and, and prove that faith to be true to the praise and glory of his name, to, to prove that faith true in such a way that disgraces the evil one while bringing glory to him, our God. Pray, pray for that which we were commanded to be eager to maintain back in chapter four, verse three. Remember the, the command, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The evil one is active. He wants to destroy that unity. He wants to destroy the peace of the church. We are called to strive to maintain it. And one of the ways we strive to maintain it is through prayers. Perhaps you can think of a a brother or sister in your life with whom you are not at perfect peace. Your relationship is not what it ought to be. Pray for him or her. If you're not praying for that person, you're not striving to maintain the unity of the spirits in the bond of peace. So pray, pray, dear Christian. God has given you such a powerful weapon. It's not that not that that prayer in and of itself has power. We sometimes hear people saying, prayer really works, you know? Kind of like prayer is a sort of magical spell that we can cast to selfishly get whatever we want. That's that's not the point. But wonderfully, as we pray, pray according to God's will. God has purposed to do great things, things which he has ordained. He's, he's purposed to do so in answer to the prayers of his people as we pray. Pray according to his will. Pray for one another. Pray, by the way, pray, uh, um, pray even in your families. One of, one of the ways is I, think, I was thinking about this, just a simple practical way we learn to pray intercessory prayer for each other is in saying family worship. We're going to go around and pray in a circle and each one of us is going to pray for the person to his or her left. That's just basic stuff, isn't it? But, but what a great practice and share a prayer request and learn the importance of praying for one another, teaching intercessory prayer to our children. If we truly believe, let's say this in, in closing, if we truly believe that we are that inaugurated new creation temple, then we should be acting as priests. What do priests do? They, they, they intercede. They make intercession. We are a kingdom of priests. We can see our, our Christian armor as our priestly garb. Brothers and sisters, put on your armor. Put on your priestly garb, do your duty, and pray. Pray in the Spirit at all times, all kinds of prayers, and make supplications for all of the saints. And may your praise be filled with praise and thanksgiving. And God will hear, and God will answer. God will do great things in answer to the prayers of his people. And God will be pleased, and God will be glorified. Let's pray together. Lord, may it be so in our lives. According to your command, we pray, O Father, that you would conform us into the image of our Savior, our great intercessor, our high priest. O Lord, fill our lives with prayer. In this way, would you make us to be faithful soldiers in Christ Jesus, powerful prayer warriors for him. Lord, would you teach us to pray? Help us to persevere in prayer, 
O Lord God, in this way, enable us to fight the good fight of the faith and to lay hold of eternal life to which you've called us in him, Christ Jesus, in whose name we do pray. Amen.